Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast on Arseblog.com in association with SavileRogue.com, purveyors of the finest cashmere football scarves you will find anywhere. And you'll have noticed something a little bit different at the start of this week's Arsecast, new theme music. Um, for various reasons, the old theme music um, had to go. And I have to thank uh, very sincerely the people from the wayout.co.uk who have written this theme tune um, specifically for Arseblog. Uh, for the Arsecast, and um, it's foot-tappingly good. Thank you very much. Uh, I really do appreciate that. Coming up on this week's show, we have got uh, an interview with former young gunner and, uh, sadly, a guy that's had to retire recently, Danny Carbassiun. Um, Arsene Wenger-Hawkins is here briefly um, because odd stuff has been happening to him this week. Uh, we talk about the football. Um, there is the player history, of course, from the man in the bar. There's a little something about uh, talk radio and how they uh, see things happening at Arsenal. As well as that, we take a look at your um, uh, thoughts on who should be our new goalkeeper next season if Jens Lehmann uh, leaves. Uh, just one thing I want to, to mention is that the, generally... Uh, I try and record the Arsecast all in one day. Uh, sometimes, though, I, I record uh, bits earlier in the week or, you know, to try and get a bit of preparation. And today, Thursday, I'm feeling absolutely shite and I've got a uh, um, bit of a sore throat. So if you notice me sounding completely different from one section to the other, uh, that's what it is. I recorded something earlier in the week and uh, this terrible, gruff-sounding stuff is happening on Thursday evening. Okay, since the last Arsecast... Um, we've played two games, drawn one, lost one. Uh, so it hasn't been a particularly good week in terms of football. We started on Saturday, last Saturday, against Blackburn in the FA Cup. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting up with a couple of Irish bloggers to watch the game, which was a uh, godsend, to tell you the truth, because if I'd been sitting at home watching that on my own, I surely would have dozed off. Just one of those games where we kicked off early, never got going. Blackburn played with 11 men behind the ball as much as possible, which I can understand to an extent, but this is the FA Cup. It's a cup game. You win, you win. If you don't, you don't. Um, and really, there was only one side on that day who, who tried to win the game, and as badly as we played, um, you know, you have to give us credit for that. Uh, it means a replay on the 28th of February, which is probably the last thing that we need, but uh, there was going to be a game that night anyway, uh, but that was cancelled due to Arsenal Tube Station being uh, renovated or something. That was going to be the Manchester City game, so we would have been playing that night anyway. It just means that Man City game is going to be pushed further on into the season and uh, may cause more fixture congestion. Then on Wednesday, no, on Tuesday night, it was Champions League again, uh, away to PSV. A poor performance, uh, although 
We could have scored through Rosicki. Henri had a good chance in the first half as well. But in the second half, we just didn't play. Um, midfield, as I said in the blog, is where I thought we lost it. Uh, I don't think the strikers played particularly well either, but they didn't get an awful lot of service. Uh, people will say, Sesk is tired, Gilberto had a bad performance. But I just think, at the moment, whenever we lose a game, there is a huge amount of analysis, an over-analysis. And I honestly think people are looking too much into it. They're going too in-depth to figure out why we didn't perform on the night. Instead of just thinking, well, you know, every team goes through a, a bad period or every team has one or two or three games in a row where they just don't click. And I think that's what's happened at the moment. Um, I don't think it bears uh, as much scrutiny uh, as people would like to think. I know they're going to point at different players and different systems and should we have played 4-5-1 in Europe, etc., etc., etc. I just think that, you know, we're having a, a period of games where uh, our football isn't as good as it might be, uh, but I don't think we're going to play like this from now until the end of the season. Uh, the defeat against PSV, while obviously very unwelcome and very disappointing, uh, I don't think it means the end of our Champions League hopes either. A lot of people are, are very negative about the return leg at home. Um, what I would say, and again, it's something I said on the blog, is that when we play uh, big teams or we have big matches, this team has stepped up to the plate every time this season. We've be beaten United twice. Uh, we did well at Chelsea away with a weakened squad. We've beaten Spurs. When it comes down to it, this team can get results against, uh, uh, against big teams or in big matches, and I think uh, that we have every chance of going through against PSV at home. It'll need a big performance. It'll need a far, far better performance than the one we put in in Holland, but I don't see that there's any reason why we can't do that. Now, uh, moving on very swiftly and very quickly, just to touch on uh, Thierry Henry again. Again, I, I think the man is suffering uh, from a huge lack of confidence. I'm not quite sure why, but uh, his first touch against uh, PSV was terrible. And, and for a player as technically gifted as he is, uh, there's something going on. I don't think for one second that his heart isn't with Arsenal. He had to make a decision last May uh, to decide where his heart was. He could have gone to Barcelona. Uh, he didn't. He stayed with Arsenal because that's what he wanted to do for no other reason. Uh, then that's what he wanted to do. I don't think it's a situation that, um, you know, he's now looking abroad and wishing he was at Barcelona. You only have to look at the problems that they're having at the moment between Ronaldinho and Etu, between Rijkaard and Etu, between uh, Rijkaard and uh, Laporta. There's some tension there. And there was even talk of Rijkaard quitting at the end of this season. So not everything in the other garden is rosy. I mean, you look at somewhere like Real Madrid, which is supposedly the biggest club in world football, and for three or four years now has been an absolute fucking shambles. So I think uh, any thoughts or any suggestion that he would prefer to be somewhere else have to be put into that sort of context as well, because uh, Arsenal is a very, very well-run club. Yes, we're going through a little period of transition, but we're not a complete fucking mess like some clubs out there. Uh, Henri himself, I don't know what to suggest. I don't think he's finished by any stretch of the imagination. I do think he's struggling. Um, I don't quite know what the manager can do. If we had Robin van Persie, you'd be more inclined to rest Henri or put Henri on the bench and, and maybe try and focus him a little. Remember, he was out for the whole of December. Um, perhaps his loss of form is just coinciding with our little stumble as well, and uh, it's not doing anybody any good. The only thing I would say is that uh, this is the first time in six or seven seasons that a man who has banged in 30 goals every season for us for the last five or six years has had uh, a slump in form, if you will. While I understand the criticisms, uh, because he set his own standards, and, and by those standards he's going to be judged, and that's fair enough, I just think that there is a tendency 
on the part of too many people to look for the quick fix uh, who are talking about selling Henri, talking about get rid of him. I think we need to support him. Um, like I said, I understand the criticisms, but it just seems to me a bit unfair that the first time things haven't gone uh, brilliantly for him, uh, people are on his back and the knives are out for him. And that is my last word on that particular subject. Now, after any poor performance by Arsenal, there's always somebody in the media who's, who's ready to pour some salt in those wounds. Um, and on the talk radio stations, uh, they haven't missed the opportunity to have a go. Uh, have a listen. And it's the AA Traffic News. We'll be back with more in an hour. Welcome back to Talkshide Radio. Uh, this afternoon, we're talking to journalist and all-round good guy, James Lawton. Hello, James. Hello there. How are you? James, we're talking about Arsenal today. And, of course, after that crushing, humiliating defeat in midweek to PSV Eindhoven, one of the true minnows of European football, it's all gone terribly wrong, hasn't it, for Arsene Wenger? And, of course, uh, Thierry Henry, he's on his way to Barcelona, as our Spanish correspondent uh, Guillaume Balaguer has already told us. Uh, he's going to sign for them. He's already got a house over there. Uh, so uh, what do you think is going on at Arsenal? Uh, honestly, I think you can uh, trace this whole thing back uh, to a moment in a game uh, a couple of seasons ago when Robert Perez dived against Portsmouth. It really was a very shocking thing to see because uh, until then, football had been a game played by gentlemen, you see. Uh, there was a good handshake. Yes, somebody might go in and try and break somebody's leg, but it was all done with a, with a smile. But that day, possibly the worst day in football history, forget Hillsborough, forget Heysel, forget the Ibrox disaster, forget the Bradford fire, when Robert Perez dived, Something in football died. And ever since then, Arsenal have got what they deserved. And to be honest, what they really deserve is to be uh, put up against a wall and shot. Especially Arsene Wenger, because he's, he's French, isn't he? James, very perceptive point. You're not wrong there. And Arsene Wenger's Frenchness is a problem for a lot of people. I know there's not a lot he can do about it, but has he ever tried? No. Anyway, let's take a look at the Carling Cup final. A true English team, Chelsea, against these foreign imports of Arsenal. How do you see it going, James? Well, I, I think you've got to say that Chelsea epitomise all that's good with football these days. English players like John Terry, Frank Lampard, Sean Wright Phillips. English to the core, these boys are. And, and uh, I think they get the moral high ground. From Roman Abramovich, who has done so much for English football, and as well as that, Jose Mourinho, a proper gentleman uh, when it comes to the game of football. He's modest, he's self-serving, he's not arrogant. He's all the things that Arsene Wenger and these foreigners at Arsenal aren't. And for that reason, I think a victory for football would see Chelsea winning on Sunday. Thank you, James. We go to the phone. It's uh, John from Dublin. John, what have you got to say? Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, and uh, I've been sitting here in traffic listening to the Perriers for the last uh, few minutes, and to be honest, I feel like blowing my fucking brains out because he's a pair of clueless wankers. Uh, uh, no need for that language, John. No, we'll have none of that. What about that, James? Typical Arsenal fan. He's probably got Robert Perez pajamas. <laughs> Talk show radio. Talking shit about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. And that, my friends, is 100% true. 104% true, even. 
I promise. Anyway, uh, you might remember a couple of years ago, a couple of seasons ago, uh, a Carling Cup game uh, against Manchester City at the City of Manchester Stadium. The score was 1-1 with around 10 minutes to go. And Arsene Wenger uh, told Pat Rice to call down one of the substitutes and tell him to get ready because he was going to make his debut for Arsenal. His name was Danny Carbassian. He is uh, an American. And he came on the pitch and scored the winning goal on his debut and became the first ever American uh, to score for Arsenal. Sadly, after uh, a loan spell at Ipswich and a move to Burnley, Danny has had to retire from the game uh, at the tender age of 22. On this week's blog chat, I talked to Danny Carbassian about why he's had to retire from the game, how he came to join Arsenal, what things were like there, and uh, what his plans for the future might be. So without further ado, I'm very pleased to welcome Danny Carbassian, and this is this week's blog chat. Okay, on Arsblog, on the Arscast this week, I'm very happy uh, to welcome uh, former gunner Danny Carbassian. Hi, Danny. Hi, how are you? Uh, well, thanks. Um, you've obviously had some uh, some bad news recently in that you've had to retire from football. Uh, what exactly has happened with uh, with that, with your knee? Well, I guess when I was in England uh, <clears throat> this summer, I, I returned to Burnley for pre-season and my knee was giving me some problems. So I... Uh, I tried to, you know, get treatment and stuff, and they said that I needed to rest a while, so I came home, and after seeing a bunch of doctors, they uh, all decided that probably, I mean, if, if it didn't heal on its own, then it'd probably be best that I stopped playing just because I was damaging my knee, my knee more and more, and that in the future it might be difficult to, I guess, walk around and stuff, and my quality of life might not be as great as I'd want it to be. So uh, I was just faced with the decision. I could have had an operation, and they said, you know, there's no guarantee. It might help for a couple months, maybe a year, maybe two years, but they said it's definitely going to give you problems again. Well, what's happened is that my, the I guess the shock absorber in my knee has worn out, and I've had several operations on it, and it's they've taken pieces out, and now my bones are starting to, I guess, wear down a bit. The cartilage on the bone's starting to wear out, and that's the, um, that's the bad cartilage that you don't want to wear out, because once that happens, then your bones start rubbing together, and then... then there's big problems after that. So, and uh, is it is it a case that you won't ever be able to play at, at any sort of a level? Um, I'm not. I guess I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm, I'm. I know I can get some injections. Um, I think I'm going to get some injections done to, I guess, help. I guess just day to day stuff because still I can't, I can't. I mean, I can't run around as I'd like to be able to run around and stuff. But um, hopefully, I mean, eventually I'll be able to, you know, play a little bit of soccer here and there. You know, because I don't. I don't think I can just quit cold turkey, to be honest. No, it must be difficult, uh, you know, something very difficult to give up, especially at at such an early point in your career. Um, we'll come to, how did you manage, or not how did you manage, but how did the move to Arsenal come about for you? Um, well, there's a there's a camp in the United States uh, called the Adidas ESP camp, which uh, Adidas and I guess all the top college coaches invite 150 of the nation's best high schoolers to a camp and the year I went it was in Wilmington North Carolina and what pretty much what happens is it's just it's just a big college recruiting event and all the college coaches of um, like at least 500 college coaches are there and they pretty much just look at players and see how they they do with the best in the country and uh, Arsenal's chief scout was in attendance the year I was there and he after after the week had ended I won the the offensive golden boot and they brought me over on trial to Arsenal where I was there for two weeks on trial and I I guess I did I did pretty well that trial and then they were going to let me finish high school they said you can go ahead and finish high school so you have at least a high school degree so 
I finished up my year in high school, and halfway through the year, I went back to Arsenal for another week's trial just to see. They just wanted to see how I was doing and stuff in December. And in the, I guess, the following summer, I signed the two-year contract then. Uh, you were obviously with the, with the youth side at, at that stage. What, what was the sort of daily routine? Um, were you close to the first team in terms of where you trained, or was it you know, in your own special group? Um, well, the at, the at the training ground, the first team train kind of apart from everyone, and the reserves and the youth team train, I guess, side by side. But um, well, I, when I came over, I was 18, so I was too old for the youth team. So I, I went into training with the reserves uh, straight away, and I it took about I tra- I got to train with the first team maybe two or three times my my first year, and then my second year when. It seemed as if Ashley Cole and Gal Clichy kept getting injured, you know, one after the other. And I just kept filling in for the one that was injured in training. And I got to train with the first team quite a bit that year. Okay. Was that a, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a big step up, but was it something you learned a, a great deal as, as, a, as a young player to move up, you know, that level from reserves to train with the, you know, the, the top guys? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was like a dream come true, obviously, you know, getting when I'll never forget when I was on trial there it was enough for me, you know, like just to see the guys, you know, every day, see Terry Henry and see Patrick Vera and all them every single day and, and then, you know, a year and a half later I was getting to train with them every day. And it was I mean, it was a big step and you kinda have to put the whole starstruck thing aside because at the end of the day you're kinda fighting for their positions. So, uh I just is it's a huge step but once you uh, once you start playing, you kind of settle in, and they're all I mean great guys, and they tell you they kind of they talk you through everything, and you know they they just they just help you. They know I mean they know you're you know you're going to be nervous and you're going to be it's going to be a bit difficult for you, so they help you a lot. Excellent. Um, I remember watching the the Carling Cup game uh, against Manchester City, in which you know you became the only uh, American to to have scored for Arsenal. How did that feel that night? Um, I don't think words can explain how I felt, but uh, it, was, it was unbelievable. As I said, I, I wasn't even sure I was going to be in the squad the day we um, were traveling. Like, I, I was told I was traveling, but I didn't know I was going to be on the bench or anything. And when he didn't announce the team I was on the bench, I was, I was happy for that. And then I warmed up the entire second. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And half and with 10 minutes left, he, um, Pat Rice called me over and said I was going in. And like as I said, just coming on and making my debut for Arsenal's first team was, you know, at that point, 
anyone's happy, you know. And I was I was lucky enough to get you know to be in the right place at the right time. And Seth played an unbelievable ball, and I was just you know once it went in, it's just I mean my face I pretty I think my face pretty much said it all. I think I smiled for about two or three days after that. So um, when it came time uh, to uh, to leave, you went on loan first to to Ipswich. And then uh, to Burnley. How did how did that process work? And what was the communication like from the club in terms of telling you, look, you know, um, this club is interested in you, and we think you should go? Or, or how does how does that work? Well, I actually got a phone call. I was I was heading home. I was coming home for, um, I guess, kind of a Christmas break because uh, I wasn't needed in the first team at Arsenal. I was I was told I wasn't going to be needed over the the holiday period. So. They usually let the kids or whoever's not really needed, they let them go home for about 10 days or so. And um, I was pretty much going, I mean, getting ready to fly home the very next day, and I get a phone call from my agent saying that Ipswich uh, wanted me on loan. So they pretty he gave me all the numbers for, um, Joe, he gave me Joe Royal's number and everyone, and I called him and spoke to Joe Royal and, about the whole situation. He said, you know, we're not guaranteeing anything, but we need backup, and I just figured it was it's the best situation. I mean, as, as much as I wanted to go home, obviously, it's, and as much as I was planning to go home, you know, and seeing all my family and stuff, it was just the best uh, decision to do for my whole career and stuff. And it kind of, it did get me a lot of, I guess, um, not, not publicity, but it, it got me, it exposed me, I'm sorry, a lot of exposure for, you know, the next year when my contract was up and teams had gotten to see me play in the championship and the FA Cup and stuff. So I think it was the best decision to make. Okay, and and uh, your contract, you moved at the end of your contract to Burnley, yeah? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, and how does that you know how does that work when when it comes to leave? You know, do you have a a word from the manager or? Uh, yeah, they. I guess they discuss um, all the staff discuss what's going to happen. You know, with you whether they're going to offer you a contract, and by the time you're pretty much twenty or twenty one at Arsenal, and you're not really really pushing on on the first team and looking like you're going to have a shot at making the first team like they decide you know it's time to let you go and i was i mean as disappointing it is to hear from you know Liam Brady and Arsene Wenger and everyone they're not going to sign you again um i i just took it as like you know it was i did my best while I was at Arsenal and i learned so much and just the two years that i was there was an incredible experience so i i mean i left with my head high you know I didn't have any regrets or anything okay um, and you moved to Burnley and with the greatest respect to, to Burnley there's a bit of a difference isn't there between uh, the setup at, at Arsenal and the setup there was it a bit of a culture shock um, yeah it was I mean it was a huge difference obviously but I, growing up I mean I didn't have anything like anything at all that was provided at Arsenal you know getting to train every day on I mean there's heated fields at Arsenal you know so if it snows the field's you know, don't get really hard, and like the whole facility is just amazing. And I, I didn't grow up with that, so the two years that I was there, it was you know an unbelievable experience. But I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take for granted, I didn't take for granted that you know where I came from and stuff. So when I did go to Burnley, it was still the fields that we played on at Burnley were still a lot, a lot better than you know where where I've grown up, our training field and stuff. So I mean, it, it was a culture shock from from the previous two years, but. It didn't take very long for me just to be like, okay, well, this is this is what I have to deal with now. And, um, and maybe it's a bit too soon, but uh, have you any plans, you know, for the future to to stay in football, um, or what, what um, are you going to do? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely want to stay involved with, you know, soccer. It's it's been a part of my life for. I mean, I started playing when I was about four or five, so it's been part of my daily regime since then. So um, 
I just said I can't really just stop doing it. Hopefully, um, I'm actually uh, speaking with some people and hope, hoping that something can come about and I can get a job, like um, staying in the game and stuff. And I'm probably I'm probably going to start doing some schooling now because I guess I have a lot of free time now, so I can I can do that. Sure, you're going to go to LA and see David Beckham. Uh, yeah, I might. I'll see if when when LA come to play DC, I'll probably head on up there. I have a bunch of friends at DC United, so uh, I'll probably definitely not probably. I'll definitely go and watch that game. Brilliant. Listen, Danny, thanks very much uh, for talking to Irish Blog today. No problem. Thank you very much to Danny Carbassion for taking the time uh, to talk to Iris Blog yesterday afternoon. Um, I think we'll all wish him uh, the very best of luck in the future uh, with whatever it is he does. Hopefully he can stay in football. And it is a shame, isn't it, when you know the nice guys have to retire at 22 and little wankers like Ashley Cole, um, they don't get run over by steamrollers and, and things like that. It's, it's a shame. Um, moving on very swiftly, I've had some problems locating Arsene Wenger-Hawkins this week, you see, because... Like all good celebrities, a sex tape has emerged. Arsene Wenger-Hawkins has been caught having a threesome with Lindsay Lohan and J.K. Rowling. Um, I can't get him on the phone. He's gone underground. Um, here's a little snippet of the tape, though. Oh, baby. Oh, yes. Arsene Wenger-Hawkins knows what you want. Lindsay, you filthy little minx. And you, J.K. Rowling. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Ouch. What is that? Is that someone's watch? Do it to me. Yeah, right there. That's it. Further. 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 Um. Can breathe. Back a bit. Yeah, that's it. Now, piss on me. Uh, right, uh, I think that's probably quite enough of that. Um, scandalous stuff. Hopefully, Arsene Wenger-Hawkins will be able to show his face around these parts next week. Now then, on last week's Arscast, I asked you to uh, maybe email during the week and uh, leave some messages about who you thought um, would be a good replacement for Jens Lehmann, who looks set to leave uh, this summer. Um, and uh, got a few, good few emails, in fact. So I'll just read out some of them now, uh, some of your uh, contributions. Uh, Rupert says, we should buy someone like Casillas or Buffon or possibly Dida. Basically, someone with presence on the pitch and get rid of Lehmann. He says, I love the man, but he's always been German second choice up to the beginning of the summer. And I fear Almunia won't be able to take the pressure of being first choice for a club like Arsenal. Hmm. Dylan from France says he'd like to see Craig Gordon um, as our new keeper. And he's someone that has been linked with us quite a lot. Uh, Gary Miller is a Craig Gordon fan as well. Dylan provided a whole pile of stats about how good he was in the uh, big games against Celtic and Rangers. And uh, there are all sorts of rumours going around about him that Arsenal are paying his wages up there. But I just think, uh, given the uh, the bloke that owns Hearts is a crazy lunatic, um, I just can't uh, imagine that we have too much dealings with them at, at, at that level. Uh, Richard says, with our record, I honestly think that buying Scott Carson is a great idea. He is impressed all season and is playing fantastically for his tender years. So if we can promise him first-team football, I'm sure we can drag him away from Liverpool. And just think, we'd have a uh, keeper for about 15 years because he is quite young. True. Charlie Allen says, the way I see it, Almunia has become an increasingly appealing shout. Indeed, it's obvious that the reason Wenger's given Almunia a domestic cup opportunity opportunity has been to test him and to see if he has what it takes after all there's no need to splash out when you have a perfectly able candidate in your midst david says i like the link to carson it would be nice to throw somebody english on the pitch uh, andy says almunia will 
clearly be given the starting spot. Arsene rates him. I think he's always been a world-class shot stopper, but previously has suffered from very dodgy decision-making at times. It looks like that is being overcome uh, by and large now. He's used the ability to come off his line and some other player one-on-one a couple of times in recent weeks. I would be happy to see him given a chance. Uh, Stephen says, I think Almunia could cope with being number one, but fear he's not reached an acceptable level yet and may end up a simple scapegoat for defensive mistakes. Arsene will have to spend the money from the transfer of Lehman and some, otherwise all his previous work on the outfield squad will be worthless. Number one, I don't think we're going to get any money for Jens because his contract is up, and uh, given the age he is anyway, I don't think we would have got more than 350 for him. Um, so a uh, number of people willing to see Almunia given a go, which is interesting. I'm, I think he's a great number two keeper, I have to say, and uh, I'm very happy that he's done well in the Cups. I'm just not 100% sure that um, he is number one material. I don't think the chances of us buying somebody like uh, Casillas or Buffon, uh, and especially not Dida, I just can't see that happening either. So maybe somebody like Scott Carson, who was very, very impressive, despite the fact we put four past Charlton uh, at the Grove there a little while ago. George left an interesting message on the Arsebyte system. Um, This is what he had to say. Hello, Arsblogger. I don't know who should be our goalie if Jens leaves. I don't think Almunia should be our starting keeper for the first team because I just don't have enough faith in him um, as the number one goalie. I think he's an excellent backup, though. However, whomever Arsene Wenger selects to be our new keeper in the future, I hope that keeper wears a kit that matches the excellent suit that Johan Juru wore when he went to visit the Queen. I think that uh, sort of fashion statement on the pitch would be smashing. Thank you. I, too, think that sort of fashion statement would be smashing. Can you imagine a keeper in that kind of silky fabric that, that Juru was wearing that day? Where did he get that suit? Fucking curtain makers or something. I don't know. These guys earn a lot of money. You think they could, you know, go out and buy a nice suit somewhere, you know. Something a bit Miami Vice, even. Anyway, those are your thoughts on uh, keepers. What's going to happen in the summer is uh, is anyone's guess, really. If I had to put money on it, I would say that we're going to buy a new keeper. I would doubt that Al Mooney is going to be promoted to number one. But again, it all depends, uh, one, how much money we've got, and two, who's actually available. Um, and if nobody uh, really outstanding is available, then perhaps we'll see uh, Al Mooney as number one. But there are obviously many, 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 many factors uh, to take into account. So who, nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, this week, the man in the bar is talking about probably my favorite Arsenal player ever. Oh, well, hello there, Mr. Arsblog. Uh, you're looking a little bit sad this week, I have to say. Yeah, well, it's been a fairly shite week, hasn't it? The old fucking Blackburn and then PSV. For fuck's sake, what's that about? Anyway, plenty of time to turn it around. We shall look on the positive side of things. Anyhow, this week I'm going to talk about probably the greatest Arsenal player that ever lived. No, not Pal Leiderson, the man himself. Liam Brady. Oh, you have to excuse me. I'm a bit of a frog in my throat. Came home last night and the missus, what did she got for dinner? Fucking frog. And there's a bit of it stuck down there. I had an old broom handle down to see if I could get rid of it, but uh, nothing worked. Anyway, we'll talk about Liam Brady. He joined Arsenal in 1970, came all the way from Dublin and went to London only as a young fellow. He was over there with Frank Staple Gunn and the man with the funniest nose in football, David O'Leary. He turned professional at the age of 17 
And by the 74-75 season, he was a fixture in the team, you see. And uh, that was because he was fucking brilliant. He had a left foot so cultured it could have painted the fucking Sistine Chapel. And he scored some brilliant goals too, like that one against Spurs that wiggled and waggled left and right, then up and down and sideways, and turned the goalkeeper inside fucking out before going in the top corner. He was a magic man too. People underestimate how good he was, you see, in these days of star players. Those days, Liam Brady was a shining light, a shining beacon in a sea of Arsenal shite. But he had some brilliant moments, like that Boxing Day. Do you remember that one? When there were 60,000 people packed into Highbury and all the concession stands had broken down and there were only five loaves and two fish. And from the five loaves and two fish, Liam Brady fed the thousands of people that were at Highbury that day. His last game... Uh, for Arsenal was the 1980 Cup Winners Cup Final you see and on the way home from that the lads were very disappointed because they missed the penalties poor old Liam missed the penalties he and Graham Ricks too and we lost to Valencia and they got on the plane to come back home and all they had on the plane was water can you imagine the lads wanted to drown their sorrows and all they had was water (laughs) so Liam being Liam he raised his hand gently waved it around a bit and he turned the water into wine and all the lads got fucking shit-faced on the way home. It was great. Anyway, after he left Arsenal, he went to Juventus, who are a big pack of cunts. And after Juventus, he went to Inter Milan and Sampdoria and then came back to England to play for Arsenal's retirement home, West Ham. After that, he was manager of Brighton and Celtic, uh, but turned out he wasn't a very good manager. And now he's in charge of the youth development system at Arsenal. He's also a bit of a pundit on Irish TV, where his nemesis is Eamon Dunphy. And it's quite obvious to anyone watching that Brady thinks Dunphy is a shit-eating, piss-faced wanker. Well, what, were you expecting some kind of funny ending? That was the man in the bar, and he'll be back next week with another player history. Nearly ran into a bit of trouble down in the bar, I have to say. There was a guy uh, looking over while I was doing the recording and uh, giving it the old dagger eyes, you see. I'm not sure he appreciates the uh, the Arsenal stuff. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, he'll be back next week, provided there isn't a huge uh, ruckus or something like that. Um, the final thing is to announce the two winners of the Savile Rogue Scarves. Now, every week there'll be two scarves to give away for the best contribution to the Arsecast, be it an email, be it a uh, an audio message, or be it uh, a great big sack of money sent to my address. Uh, this week... The two winners are George, who left a message about uh, uh, the shiny-suited goalkeeper, which I thought was very funny, uh, and Igor the Brute, who left another audio message. And uh, as he said himself, though, uh, the joke has worn a bit thin. And to be honest, Igor, yeah, uh, it really has worn thin. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not even going to play the message. But for fantastic services rendered to Arscast Previous, uh, you get yourself a scarf, Igor. If you would like to contribute, all you have to do is send an email to arscast at arsblog.com. Please pay attention to the email address. That's arscast at arsblog.com. Don't send the uh, emails to the guy at arscast.com because he keeps sending them on to me and going, look, you know. Can you stop your people sending me all these emails? So arsecast at arseblog.com or if you'd like to leave an audio message, what you can do is go to the Arseblog homepage, click onto the Arsecast page and you'll find a link there which takes you onto the audio page. What I might try and do as well is get a, a Skype 
uh, number or a Skype uh, thing that you can leave voicemails on as well. So maybe that's a little bit easier for people as well if they want to contribute something audio-wise to the IceCast. So well done to George and to Igor. You get your scarves. There'll be two more to give away on next week's show. So, um, you know, get contributing people, I suppose, really, given the fact that I'm at the end of the show. I, I should have done some kind of a preview for the Carling Cup final. Um, all I know is that uh, we're going to play a young team. I am going to drink some lucky beers. And I suggest to all of you out there that you drink some lucky beers as well. Because every Carling Cup game, I have drunk some lucky beers. They happen to be bottles of Stella Artois. I think if everybody drinks lucky beer on Sunday, the lads can win it. Either way, I'm very proud of them for getting there. And you can be quite sure that Chelsea, despite the absence of John Terry, won't play any of their young players. They'll have their first 11 out. So whatever happens, the boys have done brilliantly to get there and they'll get the support and the uh, the praise that they deserve, whatever happens on Sunday. But with lucky beer, we shall prevail. Yes. Mm, beer. Anyway, that's it uh, for another Arscast. We're back next week with another one. Um, Until then, enjoy the weekend. Talk to you next week on the blog. See you later. My voice is gone. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 